Welcome to The Collector's House, a Matches Fashion Podcast. I'm Danielle Rodoichin. Each episode features a conversation with a creative mind about the things that inspire them or that have given their life meaning in some way. From books, to art, to a piece of jewellery, these objects are collected into a cabinet which resides in physical form in the attic at 5 Carlos Place, the Matches Fashion Townhouse in London. Today's guest on the show is the British artist Mark Quinn, who created headlines in the 90s when he made a sculpture comprising of his own blood, which formed part of the infamous Sensation Exhibition at the Royal Academy in London. He soon left his young British artist moniker behind, going on to make a statue for the fourth plinth in Trafalgar Square featuring Alison Lapper, a series of sculptures of Kate Moss doing yoga, and statues of naked transgender people. His most recent project, Our Blood is an ongoing global project which he calls a social sculpture aimed at raising awareness of and support for refugees in conjunction with Sir Norman Foster and the New York Public Library. I sat down with Mark in his East London studio one afternoon in summer and although we did digress from the normal format of the show somewhat, we did talk about the awakening of his social conscience, his thoughts on social media and the difference between experiencing a work of art online as opposed to in real life. So, hello, Mark, and thanks for coming onto our podcast, Matches Fashion. It's a pleasure. Um, we're here, not at Car- Five Carlos Place today, but we're in um, your studio in East London. Yeah. Which I've just had a tour of. Um, and you just talked me through a lot, some of your paintings yeah, that you're history, working on at the moment. History and Chaos. History and Chaos, which are... Which is kind of like the world now, isn't it, really? Yeah. I think that's what's exciting to me, is bringing the real world into, into art. And there's so much stuff happening in the world now. So many tectonic plates shift, social tectonic plates shifting, so much everything that we thought is right is being looked at, or everything people thought was stuck and solid is now becoming liquid and yes. everything the world's melting and reforming yes it's really interesting what are the things that you're thinking about in particular everything like um well i mean ideas of of who's who's valued in society so sort of racism ideas of women being given power and position people I mean, that's one of the things that, for my refugee project, Our Blood, that I found really interesting. <coughs> it's obviously about refugees. It's also about how we value people in society. And so I've used some really famous people in it and some people who are so unvalued, you won't even let them into your country. So explain so a bit a, about the background for people who might not have heard about yeah, Our Blood so or what it is. Yeah, it's a project called Our Blood. It's a social sculpture, I'll call it. It's a mixture of a actual three-dimensional sculpture in the real world, which is this, um, it's in front of the New York Public Library. It's going to start, it's a thing that tours around the world, so it's like this structure that looks a bit like it's a pavilion designed by Norman Foster that's transparent. It looks a bit like a tent. And inside it, you see from the street these plinths with two cubes on them, and each cube is a metre by a metre by a metre. And the cubes are a kind of red colour and each one weighs a tonne and so you kind of wonder what these abstract sculptures are 
and as you get closer to it you realize that they're actually in a deep freezer so they're frozen blocks and what they're made of is blood human blood our blood so they're made of um, donations of blood from 10,000 people around 10,000 people <coughs> some of them are refugees are resettled so not someone in a camp or something but someone who's been resettled in the country and some and half of them are people who are perhaps not directly refugees and they're not just refugees from Syria or currently it can be people who escaped the Holocaust refugees in in gen general because I think migration and political borders is one of the great but it's always been a topic of the world but it's one of the great topics of, of now because it's kind of combined you know various things have been pushing aren't they climate change war corruption and all these things are pushing people to move at a time when politicians are trying to close borders to try and create nationalism and to create a stronger more authoritarian hold on society and the two combining is like they're clashing um, so I've, when did you start first start thinking about this 2015 you know when the whole Syrian thing really kicked off and seeing all the people in boats and squashed up and realizing that you don't get on a boat with your family unless you're those things are pretty fucking unbearable where you are <coughs> and but then also I'm really interested in people I've always been interested in people and to me the skull and also in an intellectual way abstraction and figuration so it's all kind of come together so you have the these two blocks that are in a sense kind of quite forbidding and like harsh just like 10,000 people squashed into two blocks you can look at it on one side that it's terrifying like people being crushed into a boat or or being anonymous on the other hand you can look at it in a really interesting way that it's all the energy lifeblood of these people coming together to make these solid objects and within it is all the DNA all the history all the ancestry of all the people from the beginning of time and all their migration patterns which we're hoping to track as well with their permission so you've got this whole sense of something really abstract and solid but completely dense with, with content so it's all this content but you can't read it with your eye and then I wanted to having met quite a few refugees what I really found incredibly moving and important is having a one-to-one -one conversation with someone so I wanted people I wanted to give a platform for people to tell their stories or to say whatever they want it doesn't be their story it can be whatever they want to talk about and so every person who gives blood we're also filming for five ten minutes and they can talk about what they want and those films will appear on moving image billboards around every city or place where our blood is shown so you've got the abstract form of the two blocks and then you've got the virtual repopulation of the city with the people who are part of the blocks and you know these people are just like you and me and they're interesting and they've got hopes and dreams and they can be like doctors or lawyers or people with no qualifications or or anything you know and it's just the stories are incredibly moving and I think they connect people I remember uh, some people that I know 
who I went to see about the project and who really were like, we're not interested in refugees at all. And I was just like, okay, well, I told them about the project. Was this people who you were hoping would donate yeah. blood or well, money? Or money, yeah. yeah. And, and, but also people that I know, so I just wanted to show it to them. And they were like quite doubtful about it. And, you know, it's really, and sort of saying things like, well, and I would say things like, well, it's just like people in the 30s leaving Nazis. And they go, well, it's not quite the same, is it? You know, it's like very different, i.e. I, the quality of people is lower, which obviously is an outrageous thing to say, but they weren't really thinking. And then I showed them a 10-minute compilation of people's stories and then I went home, and the next day they called me, and they're like, we've thought about it all night, we love it, we want to be involved in it. And so it's just, and what changed them was that one-on-one -on -one interaction with someone else. And, and I also think the humanising That's what I mean, the humanising it. Yeah, so I think that's so important. Mm -hmm. And that's why we're creating as much content with refugees. And, you know, we've got, we're integrating refugees into it. Our film cameraman is a refugee, Hassan, who's, actually made a film about his 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 leaving Syria on his iPhone which became part of the TV program Exodus and just working with great refugee chef when we do a dinner and lots of different things but it's this whole idea of humanizing people is is and and make and I think there's nothing clearer than our connection to another person is that you know you take my blood or your blood or a refugee or anyone's blood and you put it on four drips on a on a plate and no one can tell the difference between any of them. Mm. So it's very difficult to argue from that point of view. You've also had lots of celebrity, c celebrities mm. donating Exactly, blood. and I think that's what's really interesting is the idea of like society may value people in very different ways but actually they're all the same. Mm. So I think, and I think that's one of the reasons that celebrities want to get involved is when you're famous, one of the things that's very difficult to hold on to is your own common humanity, because everyone tells you that you're like a living God. And in order not to go mad, you have to remember you're not. So it's sort of, I can understand why people want to get involved. And I think it's really important in a time when celebrities are worshipped by so many people that they're saying, no, we're not, we're like other people and these other people are like you. Mm. So it's using that kind of, the power of that adulation and putting it to good cause. But obviously not everyone is a celebrity who's who's not a refugee either. And, and I think the engagement with the public through the website is really important as well as part of the outreach as well as the social media. So there's the website, at the website ourblood.org. People can register to be part of the project. They can get all the information about the project, watch films and of people's stories they can register, leave comments, all these different things. So it becomes a kind of platform for discussion as well. So it hasn't, um, there's not a finite amount of blood that you're mm. trying to There is a collect. finite amount. There's, um, there's um, two tons. And, what, and obviously the interesting thing is that that has to be collected before the object the sculpture goes on show yeah once the object goes on show other people will probably just say oh I'd like to give my blood to it we don't need that blood so at that point it becomes a medical blood drive as well so we'll say no you should go to the Red Cross or whoever our partners are going to be on this so 
it kind of also even though we've used two tons of rod for sculpture I think we'll raise more than two tons for medical use so it's sort of interesting that even if you said oh I think this blood is a waste of blood it should be given to people which I don't agree with anyway but mm. I think that that it'll it'll promote that and in fact it's really interesting that 70% of the people in the US can't give blood medically because they're either too old or they've had certain illnesses or they've had certain other conditions or they're refugees or they're from the UK we can't give blood outside do you know that because of BSC and no one from the UK's blood is acceptable in any other country in the world apart from the UK really we don't what tells you that? <laughs> no. We are pariahs of the blood giving wow. world. So if you walk into a blood clinic anywhere else in South from the UK, they're like, no. Off you go. So that it but kind the, of opens that whole idea of like, yeah. what, you know, people should give blood medically, but not many, not as many <laughs> as you think can. Yeah. And, the, and you're going to tour, mm. tour it. The idea is that you'll tour, tour it around it to, the world. And tour it to. Western and non-Western countries. So I'd like to start it in the US and then maybe go to Mexico or something, then come to London, then maybe go to Lebanon. I'm just bringing you back to the format of the podcast, um, which is that there's in each episode we speak to the interviewee about five things that um, mean something to them or mm. has a story behind. And um, I think one of them might, the things that you were going to talk about was blood. Yeah. So I wonder if we might have already ticked one off. Yeah. But there's more I mean you well, might I mean, want to I've say more about blood. it I mean uh, blood blood <laughs> is a product blood, blood. <laughs> it's not a product it's a product of the body it's mm. uh, but blood is a material that I've used since my very early sculptures I made self in 1991 which is cast in my head cast in my own blood so I went to the doctor for a year and took out the same amount of blood as in my whole body and then poured it into, made a mould of my head, poured it into that, and then that's um, displayed in a display cabinet, but it's actually a deep freeze. <coughs> so if you unplugged it, it would just turn to a pool of blood. There's nothing but blood there. Mm. Um, and it became part of the sensation. It's a long so, yeah, it was part of the sensation which, show. Charles Sarchi bought it. It became which like, made you famous. Yeah, it's my first fame. big sculpture. And it's, but it's still so it's still continuing as a yeah, because it's, no, it's it's really the idea of that is it's not one sculpture; it's a series. I mean, I was I'd studied Rembrandt's self-portraits when I did History of Art, and I love that idea of doing something your whole life. But obviously, it's like Rembrandt remixed by Beckett. It's sort of like it looks like there's no development in the same way. It's like we keep redoing the same thing, keep doing it, keep doing it, keep doing it, and then, but then you take a sample of the blood from one and you could analyze it and find out my health at that time or probably what I was eating, you know, all the different things. So it's kind of a more, f it's in that idea of, of things having hidden content in them as well. But also, I did it when I was. Um, totally alcoholic and so it was all about dependency as well I think unconsciously and mm. so this thing of being plugged in is a bit like when I think that the addiction is a kind of prime metaphor for our society and I think that being an alcoholic at the time well I'm still one now but I don't drink 
was part of the unconscious idea of it was this idea of being dependent on something and having to have this juice flowing into you to keep you alive or as you think <coughs> and so what I liked about the sculpture is that it can only exist in a society where people have got together to the extent to make infrastructure to pay taxes to make there be electricity that we can do this podcast but then also it's a society that promotes addiction in the sense that we're all addicted to our phones to shopping to eating to drinking to taking drugs to relationships to whatever it might be so I think it's a it's a great it's it is a central metaphor for us now as well so it's sort of so there's that as well and it's and um, and I like the kind of temporiness of it that if you unplug it it just turns to a pool of blood mm. but then it's also very neurotic because if you've got one you don't want it to put a blood so you obsess it obsess about it as well <laughs> where it, does charles sarchi did he own the first he owned the one, first one does he now, still own it? No, no it's now owned by steve cohen who's got a collection the one of the greatest collections in america in new york and it was shown in the met for three months last year and it's still there still working wearing away so you can sort of get your blood out to the u.s in that way Buyer and art yes, work. exactly. Yeah. Through art. Yeah. But the other <laughs> thing that's interesting is that the sculpture itself of our blood will be able to travel places that the people who donated the blood can't. So that's really yes, interesting that's as well. Yes, that's really interesting. And then also that makes you think about how actually things like blood are a currency that are shipped around the world and they're used for medical purposes. They're also used in cosmetics and other things like that. Mm. So there's, you know, there's a whole economy of the human body as well, mm. which is quite interesting. Mm. And are you hoping to affect some political um, shift? I think it's more humanitarian. I'm not really interested in politics. That's too transitory and, and I'm not political. But I think that it's about creating awareness, but it's also about uh, raising money that will help refugees because we're partnered with IRC which is the world's biggest refugee charity that's based in New York run by David Miliband and we're giving half the money we raise because we'll raise money from selling the sculpture and from people making donations and, and other subsidiary artworks and then also half the money is going to go to smaller refugee charities that can um, work in a different way to a big NGO so it's this idea of wanting to make a sculpture about a subject, but also that the sculpture can actually change the lives of the people involved in making it, including mine, obviously. But it's, it's about, so it's, it's not only, I think with a subject as strong as this, it's not right for me to be profiting from it. It doesn't feel like the right balance. And it feels much more exciting to make something that's like, wow I can actually it can actually help people as well i suppose it's it's an artwork that's been contributed to by lots of people mm. and in a way lots of those things that people are saying are bad at the moment like social media mm. are actually enabling i mean it's helping you get your message out yeah um and it's almost like it feels like quite a modern well i'm using social media celebrity art. all those mm. things to yeah. create the artwork yeah i completely agree and i think those things are for good and for evil as well mm. 
I think they're how you use them. But I think that it's interesting that the um, they've created this kind of social media's created this kind of global village thing. Mm-hmm. And the problem with that is that like any village gossip can just like go like wildfire. So you just need a set, not very many people on social media to get excited about something, and then it sort of becomes real, and it can catch fire. And, and I think that that is quite difficult. But then it's also quite useful when you're mm. exposing things that need to be exposed. So. The only thing I think with social, you know, you have, there is also that element of almost like pseudo humanitarianism. You know, people are wanting to show that they're yeah. really interested in something. Yeah. Um, but then I suppose there might be this. But then if you if it's almost like if they want to show they're interested, but it actually does change things, that's fine. And then maybe they right. get, and then by doing that, maybe they do get engaged, as long as it's actually making a real difference as well. Mm. Mm. So do you see social media as a positive thing? Well, I think it's something that we're using positively in the project. And I think it's, but I think like everything, it has usually some of its strengths and its weaknesses are exactly the same thing. So, you know, its strength is it communicates with everyone and that it, and it's very immediate and all that. And it's compelling and you want to look at it. And that's also its greatest weakness is that you become addicted to looking at it and you waste your life going through it and kind of, thinking about other people's lives in a kind of, mm, you know, sort of making people, <laughs> you, people feel inadequate and all do that Do you kind of p- partake yeah, in I've, social media? I, I, I've, got, I've got an Instagram account, yeah. Hmm. And you do it, your, the, the official Mark Quinn Instagram account is... It's done by me at the moment, mm. yeah. Mm. Um, I lost it's my phone the other stressful. day. And, yeah, have you ever lost your... I lost my phone for a night, I left it somewhere, and I... You went kept, crazy. Well, I just kept finding myself reaching for it yeah and then i got freaked out by how addicted i am well i i did in the other day i was flying back from somewhere and i knew i had to get an uber when i got to london i had one percent and there was no (laughs) charger so i turned the phone off for the whole flight and read a book and the person sitting next to me was checking their phone every 35 seconds and i was like bloody hell that's normally me and how what a ridiculous thing it is you just feel like you got it. It's a bit like if you eat sort of trash and then you suddenly eat a normal, good meal. It just made me realise that it's important to remember analogue things. I think that's what's interesting about art, is it's sort of a non-downloadable experience. You have to see the real thing. Although you, it's it's the it's got this illusion that by looking at a JPEG on an image, you're seeing the artwork. But usually, when you see an actual artwork, everything that's interesting about it is what isn't in the jpeg so you, your actual experience of something is always it's a bit like meeting someone you see a picture of someone and then when you actually meet them they're not what you think they are from the picture and i think it's the same thing with art and so it's very important to get that one-on-one experience with mm. with an artwork what do you think about people who take photos when they go and visit an exhibition i think that's great it gets pe- if it gets people to to go to the exhibition and all that, I mm. think there's no problem at all. When our blood actually is in the public realm, that people taking photos of it and putting it on Instagram and stuff is going to be hugely important to its success and to, and to other people hearing about it. So I think that it's can it can have a great role for good as well. Mm. And your statue for the fourth plinth mm. of Alison Lapper. Mm. Um, I was interested in thinking about, I was just to see what you thought about that in the context of where we are today, culturally, um, because those issues around um, 
diversity mm. um women yeah they're sort of they feel closer at the moment than they were when you made yeah, that i think absolutely. was it 2001 five but later sorry yeah but later um those issues certainly weren't as much at the fore i agree yeah. as they have become now mm. um so well what you were sort of already you were already thinking about those things and you thought you talked about them quite yeah. a lot of the time in the in the in the context of alison and also and her the body. context of the shows i did of um people who transform like people trans people and and people who transform themselves in other ways i did in 2010 and i remember doing that show and people sort of okay oh god it's just like you're just being sensational again i was like no this is the future of us in mm. a way and this diversity and people weren't getting it so if you if you're a, i think that as an artist you should be ahead of the social curve but it does mean that people sometimes don't understand you even now you imagine that only happened in the past so now we always understand everything immediately but it's not true but i think diversity is one of the key themes of our blood as well it's unity and diversity and i think that <coughs> yeah, i'm looking at buck angel over there now and that whole sense of diversity and accept accepting different people and different ways of doing things and that and people who tell their stories or write their stories on their body by transforming them i think that's really interesting and i think it's also interesting because it's sculpture in a way people are transforming themselves and they're becoming they are artists but they're using their own bodies as their medium mm. whereas obviously alison is different because she was born like that but and in the context of Trafalgar Square, it's full of sculptures of dead blokes who'd conquered the world, supposedly. And I thought it was really great to put a sculpture of a woman there. I remember at the time it was quite, it was talked about a lot. I mean, I think if, you, if, if that conversation came up now, it would be a no-brainer that yeah. it would be a woman. Yeah, um, exactly. Especially maybe and a also disabled about the future. Woman. Yeah. You know, her, she's pregnant, she's about the future, and yeah. they're all about the past. And it was interesting because on the first day that it came out, The Sun, I think, wrote a front page called Travolga Square and how disgusting yeah. it was. And the day after, it was plucky Alison, heroine of Travolga Square. So they even realized, so it kind of, they, they were like, wait a second, we can't do this anymore like that. So even just that happening was an amazing thing. Yeah. But I think it did help. And I think it encouraged me to do Our Blood because I realized if you put really solid content in the public realm the public rises to the occasion and yeah. i think it's one of the problems with the art world is that there's always this talking down to the public and oh they couldn't quite you know anything really difficult must be in a gallery and you know probably with only certain people can see it sort of thing because you know the average person wouldn't understand it and actually i think it's quite probably the opposite is that people who are just average people have just as great and probably more a less a more um, direct engagement with things in the public mm. realm but I think that content in the public realm is difficult because usually the public realms is either controlled by a council or something like that and a particular council or something or it's commercial and then if you're a big company you don't want to put anything potentially controversial because your shareholders start complaining or something mm. so it's difficult because there isn't that many spaces you can put things like that that's why we're very lucky to work with the public library in new york that that saw this saw what this how did you get 
um, the public, the New York Public Library interested? Well, I was talking to um, Glenn Lowry, who runs MoMA, about where I could show it in New York, and he had the idea of the public library. And so we went to there and met Carrie Walsh, who's the um, person who runs that kind of thing, and Tony Marks, the head of the library, and sort of told them about the idea and, and managed to get them interested, and then they had to be presented to their board and everything, and it, we managed to get through all that. So it's great because actually the library, you know, the blocks are like libraries as well. They're, they're all the content of all the people and all their ancestry. Yeah. And then the library itself is not one thing. It's, I think, 90 libraries around New York, and it has a real engagement with refugees and with people coming in. Anyone can go into a library. There's a kind of, it's, it's actually a very good partnership. They're a very good podcast as well. Do they? Yeah. Okay, I have to look at that. When did you feel like, have you always felt, uh, um, I don't know if it's a duty or an interest in um, making art that's available to the public and that might change Yeah, I think um, that probably perception. once I could start doing it. Yeah. Like when I did, I think the one that shifted it for me was doing, doing the portrait of Alison in Trafalgar Square. Mm. So it's from that point on really. But also it has to be the right thing and it has to be strong enough. The great thing about a work of art is it has a life that's longer than one moment of acceptance or rejection. If things were literally destroyed, if people didn't like them, half the history of art would be gone. And I think that they're interesting because they develop over time as well. And like the, the trans people sculptures, which were like not at all, no one was interested or thought they were ridiculous in, in 2010 and now it's the most like image on my Instagram is Pacamana. So it's this kind of, so I think that it's interesting how a work of art has its own life. So I make a work of art and I put it into the world and people engage with it or they don't. I mean, really art's about communication, isn't it? It's a form of communication. If people engage with it or they don't, and maybe the people who engage with some things aren't, aren't born yet. Mm. You know, we like late Picasso people at the time thought it was utter rubbish and so that was 50 years ago now people say it's the best bit of him hmm. so perceptions change about what's interesting and what's not that was an episode of the collector's house a matches fashion podcast you can find more episodes and more about Five Carlos Place on the Matches Fashion website. And you can join the conversation on social media by searching for at Matches Fashion, at Matches Fashion Man, and the hashtag Five Carlos Place. Thanks for listening.